I'm Dave Gray, and this week I learned it doesn't matter how far you run, you're always right where you are. I'm Kevin Matthews, Scottish Film Fan Living in England, and this week I learned that there's a lot of lovely positivity out there, some of it even coming in our direction. So that was nice. There was a podcast that I offered some constructive criticism to. They took that on board. They were nice enough about it. There are other podcasts that have started to mention us on a regular or semi-regular basis, and we forget about them a lot of the time, and, and that's really nice. And there are people... I mean, Dave, it's like some people are actually listening to us every week, which... Yeah, but and, half of them are plotting our demise, so... <laughs> I'm not sure I'll, how I feel. I'll take it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's true. Good thing Aaron's a bad shot. <laughs> I'm Tyler Hosley, and I got tickets to see Machine Head and Fear Factory this month, guys. And I'm fucking stoked. Ooh. And this is Radio Podcast. Yay! Uh, you better not tell me either of those acts are supported by Young Gravy. I hope I so. I hope through the internet. I hope Young Gravy has heart. two. <laughs> he has a set between each other one. Ah, that's what you need. I can't imagine Young Gravy headlining a Machine Head and uh, Fear Factory uh, new metal tour. But hey, you never know. He's Young Gravy. He's the tallest rapper alive, so it could happen. I didn't know that Machine Head was still around. Oh yeah, they're still around, still making nice. music. They no, that's, put, they that's, that's cool. Album. I just, for some reason in my head, they were one of those defunct groups. I just haven't heard them mentioned in a while. That's they've cool. Lasted, they've lasted throughout like every subgenre of metal. They went from like thrash to like sludge to new metal. They have like two new metal albums and they're still fucking kicking. So it's, it's awesome to see. Fear Factory too. I've always loved them. But, uh, see what did i watch this week uh, oh yeah i watched um suitable flesh which i really liked it's that's a crazy like super horny movie too i mean it feels like <laughs> one of those erotic thrillers that you see play on like showtime at midnight but has like this hp lovecraft twist it's it's good stuff and heather graham is great in it so like she's really good i think this might be one of joe lynch's best directed films um I still prefer, I slightly, I should say slightly, I slightly prefer Wrong Turn 2. I think that movie's fucking great. I think that's one of the best Wrong Turn movies. But I would put Suitable Flesh, like, right behind that. It's a really well-done little, like, erotic thriller. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I think you, you guys have seen that one, right? Actually, I watched it this week. Oh, nice. Okay. I'll wait to your thoughts then. You've seen that, Kevin, right, or no? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. Nice. Um... But besides that, I went to the movie theater and I saw The Beekeeper, which is directed by one of my favorite filmmakers of all time, David Ayer. Uh, I fucking loved it. It's a total throwback to those 90s R-rated action flicks. The violence is brutal and bloody. Ayer directs the fuck out of the action scenes. I mean, it's, it's chock full of like goofy bee puns. It's super fast paced. Statham rocks it. This might be one of Statham's best roles since Crank. It's he's so good in this. It's just yeah, it's awesome. And I just I can't wait to watch this one again. I, I even think Dave will like this one, even though I know he doesn't like Statham, but I think Dave will appreciate the the 90s aesthetic it was going for. It's it's good stuff. And um, that's me. 
See, I, I don't know about Dave, but I was looking forward to seeing the beekeeper. And then you say Air directs the fuck out of the action scenes. I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I just don't that, know. That is a pretty what, scary phrase. Yeah. No, no. He, what he, time he, is that phrase and what's going to happen? No, the action scenes are super well done. There's a scene that's like, I don't want to spoil it, but there's a scene where Statham fights a dude in like a hall of mirrors and there's no music. It's just fucking bones cracking and blood. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's one of the best directed action scenes I've seen since like any John wick movie. I, I think this is better than all four John wick movies. I said it and I mean it. So there we go. Wow. I had a medium week. Um, I watched The Match Factory Girl, which was another Loki film from Aki Kurosaki, and I really enjoyed that. It is um, very much in line with a number of his other works. It runs at just under 70 minutes, so it doesn't overstay its welcome. Uh, again, Kurosaki makes films that are kind of really bleak, but also don't feel too cold and unrelenting uh, in my in my view I'm sure some people watch his stuff and then just want to uh, you know stick their heads in a carrier bag but I I like the match factory girl I thought it was another good one uh, so yeah especially for people who've maybe uh, been checking out fallen leaves uh, recently which got a lot of love I watched the expend four bulls. Have either of you watched Expend for Bulls? No. I no. have not. And I would never give them money. Yeah. No, it's, no, it's like, not, like never give them money. Like, Sly can suck my butt. I No, I want Sly and the rest of the producers to curl their tongue up and stick it right in my tight little hole because, like, they literally called a man in to give him shit about coming forward with his, over his, uh, his abuse. So they can, they can all fucking die slowly on camera. That's what I want. Fuck that movie. Fuck those people. Well, you'll be pleased to hear it's bad as well. Well, yeah, but so were one, two, and three. <laughs> I I quite like the other three to varying degrees. So I I wasn't sure. Like I wasn't sure if this was going to move on from three and have more of the mixed bag, but it, it doesn't really. It's um it brings a couple of other faces back. Doesn't have enough good characters in there um, continues down the road of completely ridiculous over earnestness that's been a part of it since the first um, like doesn't even give Statham good enough stuff and he's kind of the main character in it and um, Statham like, isn't bit... even the main character of his own life <laughs> come on <laughs> I like Statham me and T or Team State. <laughs> there's, but I, I tell you what, there's a bit at the start of Expend for Bulls where Sly turns up to see the state and he says, I need you to help me get my ring back. You know, it's like the expendable skull ring or whatever. And State's like, you know, oh, what would you do? And he's saying he lost it. He lost it in some game in a bar. He bet it. He lost it. And he goes with State to a bar to get Stace to get his ring back, to start a big fight, to to beat up loads of guys to get his ring back. And I'm watching this, and I've heard other people say the same thing. I'm watching this thinking, 
I mean, he lost the ring fair and square in a bet. It wasn't like he was conned out of it. It wasn't like it was some like new game that just pulled up the table. He he says, yeah, I, I lost it in a bet, and then sets Stath on these guys uh, because he's he's really wanting his ring back, which was up to him to bloody keep hold of in the first place. But no, no, if you've got Stath, give him a pair of metal knuckle dusters and say, yeah, sort those guys out for me. It's, it's just ridiculous. No. Um, complimenting Tyler's choice, I watched a, I watched a really good film about uh, women who strip in a strip club called My Soul Desire uh, from 2022. It is French, so it's uh, already at least 50% sexier than any American riffs on the material. And it's just, it's really good. Um, you know, people want uh, the the thrill of, of the work and they get to do artistic performances. Some people then really like the uh, the money they can make and they can make out from jobs on the side. Others feel connections with different people. It's just like really, really good. And I'll be mentioning it again later. And then I had a double bill of willies. I decided to revisit the uh, original Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, 1971. Uh, Gene Wilder is fantastic as Willy Wonka. I like the rest of the cast. I, I like the production design. I like the, the few songs that are in it. I like everything there. It is um, <laughs> it's actually still astonishing, though, how fast Grandpa Joe figures out a way to get out of bed when there's a chance to go out the factory. Like, we've all seen the, the memes. But every time I watch a film, I'm like, oh, yeah, he suddenly thinks he can make it, and he's been in that bed 20 years. So that was uh, that was fun. But, you know what, I really enjoyed Wonka. And I know <coughs> um, that there's a lot going against it, uh, even with Timothy Chalamet in the main role. I think he's really good. He's he's really good in that role as a as a young, like uncynical version of that character. I know it's not the same character that we see in the nineteen seventy one film. Not the same character from the book. No, it's the depth character. You're just in denial. It's not the depth character. No, because I wouldn't look at him. Look at how he dresses. No, you're just lying to yourself. It's really really enjoyable and. yeah, I think the way they bring uh, different characters into it, make the plot, it's it's ridiculous, but in a way that all all works in terms of the um, yeah the, the journey that that character could be on at that time of life, and with a little special role for Hugh Grant, that's fantastic. It's just it's a real winner, like. I think I like this almost as much as the Paddington movies, which were also directed by Paul King. It's really, really surprisingly really good. And I'm going to keep saying that until you eventually watch it, Dave, and then you'll either argue with me about it and just destroy my hopes and dreams, or you'll be like, actually, yeah, it was all right. 
I mean, it'll be streaming free sooner than later, so just hold on. It's coming. Yeah. Has um has Killa seen the the older one? No, she, we tried to read the book and she hated it. Right. Uh, Roald Dahl's the only author she could not finish. Does she just sense uh, the the creeping anti-Semitism? Kind of. Like, I, I don't... I, <laughs> Like, she loves Matilda. She loves the movie and the play. She liked the book okay, but, like, she couldn't finish the BFG, and she couldn't finish uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm. I I don't know. That book was rough. I I know people have a lot of fond memories of it, but we haven't gone to the movies yet. Like, when the new one comes up, I'm sure she'll want to watch it, and we will, but they haven't been prioritized. Hmm. And the new... um... The new version of the BFG might be something she might like better. Oh, no, she couldn't even finish that one either. She tried that. Yeah, she fell asleep. Because I thought with the books, depending on how you are with uh, everything you read, sometimes he just makes up that many words. Sometimes, uh, I can't recall if as a kid I was a bit phased by that. I mean, there was definitely at least one Roald Dahl book that I went back to later when I got used to the fact that, oh, he's, yeah, he's just making up, like, every tenth word. Yeah, that's I think that's the BFG. I, I think that's why she yeah. didn't finish that one. It yeah. Just, it just drove her nuts. When you're a little bit older and can get used to using context, and you're like, okay, I can I can get through this now. But it's a, it's a strange combo, because obviously it skews to a younger demographic. But you you get the the wording and the context as you're a bit older. Ah oh, well, I I don't know then if she would eventually like Wonka, but I I guarantee it will be far from one of the more painful movies that you have to sit through at any point. I'm telling you that. Oh, I'm sure. Well, we'll all find out together sooner than later. Yep, that's me. I uh I watched a, a bunch of stuff. I watched Suitable Flesh. Also, I liked it not as much as T. Uh, I, I think Heather Graham tried. I just kept waiting for it to go full Stuart Gordon, and it didn't. So you know, it was it was fine. But like, if you're gonna go that route, go all the way. Embrace that shit. And they just they just didn't. And it was fine. Just you know, could have been a little better. That's all. It's it's a fine watch. I'll probably watch it again eventually. I watched Wing Chung, the nineteen what is it ninety two? Oh, I'm sorry, ninety four Hong Kong action movie starring Michelle Yeoh, Donnie Yin, and um, Kingdom Yoon. And it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's got its issues. It's it's a nineties Hong Kong action film, so you know there's there's some. There's some issues and representation and stuff, but, you know, Yo, Yin, and Yoon are all great. Uh, it's a shame. Uh, something, something sexism, uh, because Yo and Yoon should have been like a, a team for decades in China making fun lady uh, action flicks, but they're not, which is a shame because they work fantastically together. But, you know, whatever. Just another missed opportunity there. But it's okay. It's a fun one. And I watched... Uh, I, I rewatched for me, but I, I made other people watch it for the first time. Anatomy of a Fall. 
And, uh, you know, I, I think it's excellent. It's fantastic. The, the lead, uh, performance by, uh, Sandra Hewler is astonishing. Uh, it's, it's incredibly well-made. Um, and, and the, the screenplay from director Justine Treat, try it, whatever, sorry, is fantastic. Um, you know, like a lot of folks were talking about certain people not being nominated for Oscars because folks love to get into the whole, uh, you know, you were snubbed stuff, but like the lead female performance was stacked this year. And I think uh, uh, Sandra Hewler deserves any accolade she gets. It, it's a brilliant performance. Also, uh, I, I think uh, the real snub that nobody uh, I heard nobody talk about comes from this movie also because um, the, 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 the son who is played by um, Milo uh Machado Garner is is probably the best supporting turn from anybody last year. It was amazing. Uh to the to the point that he he wasn't nominated and a lot of folks who were just kind of there and and you know not anything special were and it's it's disappointing cuz this kid brought his A game in, in a way that I I don't think I've ever seen another kid bring an A game in a film. Uh, his his performance and especially in the second half is is just heartbreakingly wonderful. But you know, go run out and watch it. It's it's so good. <laughs> it is so good. And that was well, that was mostly me. There, I saw something else, but you guys are gonna have to watch it at the end of the month, so I'm not gonna talk about it yet. This week, we watched the 1979 American musical comedy Rock and Roll High School and the 2000 American erotic drama film Dancing at the Blue Iguana. Cra oh, right. Craig's not here. So I will uh, I will start with uh, Dancing at the Blue Iguana, which was Tyler's pick. It's uh, directed by Michael Radford, and it follows the lives of a handful of dancers at a gentleman's club called the blue iguana. Um, <laughs> it stars, uh, Sandra O oh as Jasmine, a dancer who wants to be a poet. Uh, Charlotte Ayana as Jesse, uh, the youngest dancer who is maybe a little too young. Uh, Daryl Hannah as angel who wants to have a child and is a little too stupid to live. And Jennifer Tilly as Joe, who is pregnant addict stripper. Uh, <laughs> and Vladimir Mazkov as the most ridiculous Russian assassin ever put on film. This, this movie um, is essentially a uh a uh an acting exercise where like they got together and they kind of like you know ad-libbed their storylines and 
Then they ad-libbed every scene. And I've said this before. I think ad-libbing can be uh, fantastic. I think it can work really well in a film in moderation. And sometimes it goes too far. And this is one of those ones where it goes too far because there's nothing interesting about these characters. They're not characters. They're not people. They're not worth caring about. They are all one little uh, personality quirk. And that's it. That's all there is to them. Uh, so they're they're not well-developed. They're not worth rooting for or caring about. Their stories aren't interesting. It's just, they're just there. It's, this is a two hours of filler film. Um, Daryl Hannah must really, really hate, uh, professional dancers because her character of Angel is probably the most insulting portrayal I've ever seen. When I said she was too stupid to live, I didn't mean that as a, as a joke. It It's very literal how, how stupid they make. Like, I kept waiting to see if they would pronounce her as mentally deficient. Because, mm. I mean, it is like the levels of stupidity that she has this character say. And it's all ad lib. So, you know, there's no one else to blame. Is it's it's shocking. It is it is painful to watch someone pretend that this is a serious character worth my time. I mean, some of the others come off a, a little better. I mean, uh, Jennifer Tilly and Sandra Oh are fantastic actors. Uh, two two of my favorites. I will watch them in anything. I adore them, and they both have moments, but neither has anything to really draw it together. Um, o has to work off a really creepy dude who we're supposed to buy as like, a, you know, a potential relationship. But he's a stalker waiting to happen. There are a few scenes he is so focused on what she does for a living and not her as a human being. It's it's off putting. Uh, Tilly has some great scenes, but they feel. In a vacuum, it, it doesn't feel like a person. It feels like somebody doing an audition and doing one scene really good and then kind of like fumbling around the rest of the time they're on screen. It's just. It's all cliche. Every single one of these, n none of them rises above that. And then like the one, one of them, there's, okay, so there's the underage one. There's the one in an inappropriate relationship because there's always one in an inappropriate relationship. I'm not going to spoil what that relationship is, but it's fucking terrible and it's poorly acted. Even poor Elias Cotes, who is an excellent actor, has nothing to fucking work with here. And it's a ter it's another storyline. It's just not worth anyone's time. Uh, what else? There's the um, the pregnant one and the stupid one and the smart artistic. I mean, they're just cliches in the most depressing in the most depressingly cartoon strip club ever. I mean, I've I've known plenty of people who have done this in reality as a profession. And they're people. They're real people with real hopes and real dreams. I mean, they're fully formed people. They're not these stereotypes and these cliches that are done for obvious accolades that are totally unearned. 
Uh, it's rare that I hate something with a burning passion, but I had two hours of just pure rage watching this waste of talent. And there's some real talent on the screen just being totally flushed because instead of sitting down and like trying to write a script or, or, or think of some reason to spend the two hours with these women, it is just filler. And to make it worse, Daryl Hannah made a companion documentary all about her experience researching the role. And it just convinced me that Daryl Hannah is a terrible human being. If that is what you came away with after spending time with real people, you're a terrible human being who should not be doing any ad lib shit because you don't understand people. Uh, yeah, no, I, I hated this. Uh, I know T loves it. I, I do. I know T brings us movies he loves, and that's why I want to love these movies. But like Michael Radford should just be like fucking kicked down steps after this came out. It was just a waste of everyone's time. I mean, I, that's probably why he ran off to Italy to make uh, uh, Il Postino <laughs> after this. As a my bad. But yeah, this is this is terrible. It's just pretentious nonsense with nothing redeeming. Even, um, oh, excuse me, even, uh, 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 oh, I'm going to say Bunny from The Wire, but that's not his name. Uh, I, I'm totally brain farting on his name, who is an excellent actor. Oh, Robert Wisdom. I'm so, that's terrible. Robert Wisdom is an excellent actor. Totally wasted. Uh, the, the whole, the whole fucking Russian guy. How much fucking filler does this movie need? Like, at, at no point did anybody in the editing room go, God, this is just pointless. And it is pointless because even when it comes to its conclusion, it's fucking dumb. It's not worth the time. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I hated this. I hate I hated this so much. It's not well shot. It's it's got a couple moments of, of acting. But like, if you want to see that, just, you know, Google it on YouTube. I'm sure somebody's done a super cut of the scenes worth bothering with. And that's it. There's there's no reason to give two hours of your life to this. Well, as I often say on here most weeks, I didn't hate this quite as much as Dave, but I am generally in agreement with them here. This is not a good film. Uh, we still love Tyler, even though this is another step on the journey to us eventually seeing every bloody film in Jesse Bradford's filmography. I know your plan, Tyler. I know. <laughs> What was the Swim last fan. one? Swim fans coming. Halfway Swim there. Life. Halfway yeah. there. <laughs> um, now, I, I do, and I know that Tyler was interested when I shared this, I do implore you to hopefully soon watch My Soul Desire. Uh, just, it's it's very different from this, but, but in all the right ways for me. Um, shows women working at this kind of, environment with with real full characters and they do have different uh motivations they do have some shared uh ambitions but it's just like it's a million miles away from this but in a way that i know you will love tea because there's still there's just a real mix of um drama uh, 
exploration of life paths and like really uh, good dollop of eroticism. So you will enjoy that. But that Dancing at the Blue Iguana, it it really wastes, yeah, um, Tilly and Sandra O, oh, who are the best things in it, uh, but they they don't, I mean, they, they can't sort of claw their way out of the mess that's around them. And <clears throat> you might have heard me agreeing with Dave when, he was explaining his thoughts on Daryl Hannah's character. Like she is, she is that um, just stupid in, in what she says and how she acts. And there's, there's one particular scene in the third act that still doesn't, I, I might have missed something, but it still doesn't really seem to go anywhere. But as that scene plays out with her getting in a bit of trouble, she just, it, it's like she doesn't understand what's going on in the reality around her and just keeps saying really ill-advised stuff for someone in that situation and not helping herself at all. And to think that she is desperate to get... Uh, custody of of a child she could adopt is a worrying thought when she can clearly not really look after herself like so so you're not you're not on board with her you're not rooting for things to pan out with her you want her to get out of the picture as quickly as possible with the least harm caused to others around her because you know that's what she'll do people will end up seriously harmed and she'll coast along fairly oblivious if she gets away with it. Nothing nothing malicious, nothing necessarily intended, but her character is shown that way. And it's like, it's an awful character to be one of the main characters. I mean, Sandra Oh is at least, you know, she's trying to do a bit of poetry, but she's also a little bit hesitant about it and I think she has doubts and I think she's trying to balance that side of her life that she enjoys with obviously the work that she does at the club I kind of like that it's a bit cliched but it's okay uh, Tilly is just you know there's there's very few uh, shows or movies that Jennifer Tilly won't liven up with her presence and she's this is a real um like live wire in this, but in a in a fun way that almost none of the other characters are. Nobody else gets to be as fun as Tilly. Probably just because she's Jennifer Tilly. And like that's what she can bring to something that is largely improvised and workshopped. So I I think that's it. Um I I didn't I didn't care about any of their characters, as Dave said. It's, it's just a bunch of cliches and tropes, and like these aren't—they're not full characters. They are—you know—you'll get three or four of them that are just a, a box ticked for whatever quirk or main problem they have. It—it it doesn't feel like a 
decent look at the lives of uh, women in this line of work, and and that doesn't have to be um, it, it doesn't have to be all positive, but it's not necessarily always just bad and chaotic messy as this. I'm sure, sometimes it can be, but this feels like the people putting it together thought they were giving some realistic snapshot of this life and like it's it's not from uh yeah from from what i would know from you know through our times i would say we know an awful lot of uh like actresses models uh, sex workers like people online who do this every other person has their only fans now people are doing their their side hustles everyone's doing this that, and that so we come into contact with so many people who'd have either done this work before or have been in something parallel to it and and it's it's not it's not this like it, it just isn't this is the this is the days of our lives version with tits and that would be the quote that I would put on the poster for it. Dancing at the Blue Iguana. It's days of our lives with tits. Well, um, <laughs> actually, the uh, the days of our lives with tits is actually like the perfect representation of this movie. That's actually perfect. I think that's why I love it so much, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I'm a huge fan of this movie, uh, which will surprise absolutely nobody i think it's great uh i i love the way it's shot that improvised style of filmmaking is something i personally really connect with uh, the constant moving camera the dialogue it, it just it makes it feel like you're watching a documentary rather than a scripted film it just it kind of feels like you're dropped right into the world of a strip club i i totally understand if that improv improv style doesn't work for you it's not for everybody, and I get it, but I just, I just, I love it. I think the cast is overall fantastic. I like all the girls are great in this. Sandra O's oh performance here is, for me, one of her very best, I, and she's always wonderful. As Dave said, I mean that scene where she's begging her boss for the weekend off, and he's just berating her for even asking. For some reason, that entire sequence has always stuck with me. Uh, I, I think she's great in this, and I really can't compliment her performance enough. I love Sandro. Um, Jennifer Tilly is great, uh, which, again, is of no surprise. Tilly always brings it. This is going to be controversial, but I actually liked Gerald Hanna in this. Uh, her performance is a choice. Maybe she's better suited with scripted work. I'm not one to say uh, she's obviously reaching for something and uh, <laughs> that, that's the performance she chose. So, and I just went with it. I that just is went with what you went with. description. <laughs> like you reached really hard to be that nice. It's a choice. I, I didn't want to use stupid, but I think she chose to make this character stupid because I don't believe Daryl Hannah is a stupid person. I've seen Daryl Hannah in interviews and I've, I've liked her in a lot of stuff and she doesn't come across as a stupid person. I think this is what she chose to do. And well, it's definitely what she I chose to it. do. No, nobody said she was stupid. I, I said she was hateful. That's totally different. Well, no, her, her character, 
I'm like I said, I'm trying not to use the word stupid, but her character is stupid. I mean, she's it's a stupid character, but <laughs> she chose to play that stupid character, so she went with it, and I and I just went with it as a character. So I I didn't mind her in this. I I normally like Daryl Hannah and the stuff I've seen her in. So Splash is a classic, uh, one of Tom Hanks's best movies. Um, it's always good to see Elias Cotillas show up. I like him. Uh, just. I don't know. I, I can't disagree more here with the portrayal of the dancers. I connected with most of them here, especially Sandra Oh and Jennifer Tilly. I thought they were fantastic in this, and I really got behind those two characters. Their lives are messy and chaotic and repetitive, and sometimes life is just that, fucking chaotic, messy, and really repetitive. And I think this movie portrays it just like that. I think it's excellent stuff, and I am a, uh, I'm a big, big fan of this movie. I like it quite a bit. So now we're on to a movie of different quality, different style, uh, Rock and Roll High School, which is about a Ramones fanatic and a delinquent that goes by the name of Riff Randall, played by PJ Souls. Uh, she battles it out with the strict new principal of Vince Lombardi High School, Miss Toger, with the help of the band The Ramones. So I got to pull out my Shout Factory Blu-ray steelbook this week for this movie guys and uh jelly i've loved rock and roll high school since i was a child i i also really love the ramones too which i'm sure helped a lot i love the ramones yes it's not good in the traditional sense of wow this is such a good musical quality wise it's i wouldn't put it on the same level as something like the first grease but it's Grease 2 levels of good, which is also a movie I fucking love dearly, as you guys already know. Uh, Rock and Roll High School is a total blast from start to finish. I love the songs. That scene with PJ Souls smoking in bed and Ramon start singing I Want You Around is like one of my favorite scenes in any musical ever. Uh, I love the cast here. PJ Souls is fucking adorable. I mean, she's just so cute in this movie. Adorable. Um, there's a giant head banging mouse, which made me really want my own giant mouse that dances to the music of the Ramones. He was amazing. And I love him. Uh, it's filled with that over the top, like ridiculous campy humor that you could only get away with in 1970s PG rated movies, just goofy high school antics. It never takes itself too seriously at all. It's just, it's one of the best Roger Corman produced movies. It's silly as hell, but it's positive energy. Uh, it's just that positive energy is fucking infectious. Uh, Ramones propaganda at its finest. And yeah, I love this movie. Just it's wonderful. Uh, I pulled out my VHS copy I bought when the old mom and pop video store in town was going under. I got it for two bucks. Nice. Yeah, it made it even. See, it makes it even better <laughs> when you got that old analog technology. I <laughs> I really like Rock and Roll High School. I think most of it is a blast. Souls is adorable, but uh, let, <laughs> let's be honest. She does not look like a high school kid. She looks like what she is, a, a 30-year-old mom <laughs> who's going undercover uh, Jump Street style. <laughs> but just she's just too deep. So, like, my notes are, are a total fantasy about Riff being Donnie Brasco. <laughs> 
and just just too deep to get out of cover. So uh, I I can't look at my notes. This is an early uh, Joe Dante production. He co-wrote the story and I think the script. It was directed by um what his uh, I think he's a writing partner, um, Alan Arkush Arkush. I can't even pronounce my own name. Sorry. Uh, it shot by Dean Cundry, who, you know, worked with Semethkis and Spielberg and Carpenter and did all those great movies from the 80s and 90s we all love. So I just I just like that, you know, before that, he did Rock and Roll High School and went on to do Jurassic Park. It's a blast. I, I love Clint Howard in this. I, I just like... <laughs> It's the weird stage Clint Howard where he's not quite Star Trek baby Clint Howard and he's not quite Ice Cream Man Clint Howard yet, but he's definitely on his way. He doesn't quite look like a crazy um, unhomed person, but but he's he's got the hairline. It's, it's like the, the pupil stage Clint Howard. <laughs> he is, yes. <laughs> yes, this is the chrysalis... Uh, Clint Howard, he's soon to emerge fully Ice Cream Man. Um, I, I think Day Young is adorable. I I absolutely uh, love her as uh, Kate Rambeau. Mary Warnov as Principal Elaine. Uh, oh, sorry, Principal Evelyn Togar is a blast. Paul Bartel is the music teacher is fantastic he would uh go on to write and direct one of my favorite black comedies eating raul um dick miller shows up because you know joe dante was involved so of course dick miller shows up uh the ramones do uh better than a lot of famous people in their first roles uh, it's it's a shame only one of these four Ramones is still uh, alive and well. I, I assume Marky Ramone is still well. He's like 71, so he might not be. I I didn't look into it that deep. The one big... Well, okay, there's, there's, there's two big issues. Uh, Fritz Gretel and Fritz Hansel are both just... They're just terrible. I mean, they're very of-their-time characters, but... I don't think they work as comic foil villains, and instead they're just kind of um, rapey and icky. And, of course, Vince Van Patten as as Tom Roberts is just, like, he's terrible. And as I said before, I, I adore Day Young and Kate Rambeau, so I don't understand the appeal of Tom. And that kind of hurts the movie a little, but... It's got a hell of a soundtrack. When it works, it works wonderfully. It's just a fun, goofy youth and revolt film. And I don't know. They're just off the top of my head. I can't think of anything that's an analog to it in the last, you know, 15 years or so. You know, not since maybe Scott Pilgrim. It's a blast. Uh, I wish there were more movies like this out there. Uh, I enjoy it. Well, I finally cracked into my 101 Films Blu-ray limited edition, but unfortunately, 
I didn't have time to listen to one of the four commentary tracks on there. It's it's a stuffed disc. Is that the same stuff that you've got on your discs, basically? Yes. Mine's a VHS. It has nothing like that. Uh, well, yeah. Me, me and T are in the commentary club. Uh, it's, it's overflowing with extras, and there's a, a featurette, and there's interviews, and like, I'm dying to see that. I had never seen Rock and Roll High School. This was, again, a chance to kick my own butt and watch something that had sat on my shelf since I bought it. And I really didn't know what I was going to feel about Rock and Roll High School. I quite like the Ramones. I don't mind a bit of cheese. I was thinking, hopefully, I'll have a bit of fun with it. Didn't realize that it would feature the giant mouse that Tyler loved, actually played by Rob Bottin. So that's awesome. Um, like I, I ended up loving this. I absolutely had a blast with it. This was a film I needed after a selection of stuff I watched that was, you know, whether I liked them or not, they weren't necessarily the most uh, upbeat viewing choices uh, for whatever I just fitted in before Rock and Roll High School. And this was great. Yes, PJ Souls is like. Yeah, she's really good as Riff Randall. Like she's really cute and, and likable and and like, you know, ready to battle the new principal in a way that's adorable. As Dave said, she is about thirty odd here, being at high school, but it works. <clears throat> when the Ramones appear, I always remember that um I mean I could say no offense, but it's going to seem offensive, you know what I mean? The, Particularly Joey Ramone, like he's, he was never the most handsome-looking rock star. Joey's goddamn gorgeous, and you apologize he, to Joey's spirit. He's got a beautiful soul. Fuck you. If you put a draped wig on Chop Top from Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Massacre Two, no, you're right. You've, you've got Joey Ramone, but like I, I like the music more through this. I. I've heard some of their tunes. I'm one of those people that could maybe pass a test if I'm wearing a Ramones t-shirt. I like the way they were used in this, and I like the way that they got involved. See, this made me think about punk, and I like a lot of punk stuff, a lot of punk tunes. I like the music. For me, the idea of punk was, you know, you get the anti-authoritarian stance, you get the, um, you, you get, you know, whatever sort of, cheaper fashions and stuff you go for but also uh it was kind of about being able to just pick up and play stuff without necessarily being that good that felt like punk to me as much as i revered for their status i've, I've never liked the sex pistols as this sort of uh flag bearer of punk because i didn't get why why they felt that to shout and sneer at everything and everyone because they were a boy band being paid to do it. Well, yeah. Yeah. And, and sneering at the machine turning around you while you're in that machine because that's the job you have really undercuts it. I know that if like if they were in this, <clears throat> which they wouldn't, they would just be sneering and they would be looking down at it while being in it. And I love the fact that the Ramones are in this. And to me, it feels more punk that they're in this being quite earnest in the roles and not giving a shit about 
whether it might ultimately seem uncool or not. They're just there having fun with everyone and playing their tunes. And the whole film set up around them is enough for that. I thought it was great, and it felt <coughs> so much more punk to me for that. You know, punk to me is not giving a shit what anyone else thinks about what you're doing if you're enjoying what you're doing. And it was great. The, it's a reminder that the tunes are really good for the selection and their covers. Always, always love uh, when the Ramones do one or two covers, which are here. I, I thought they. Scattershot gags obviously were very hit and miss, but some of the hits were a pleasant surprise. Uh, particularly when PJ Souls was really trying to prove her status as, as number one fan and best person ever to guide the Ramones and have her school as a rock and roll high school. Uh, as you said, Clint Howard is a lot of fun in this role. Like, I really, really like this. I would I would probably easily rewatch this anytime. Because obviously it is kind of strung around the songs. But the good songs and the whole thing's a lot of fun. It's just it's got the right sense of irreverence and like yeah thumbing the nose at the older, stodgy people who don't understand this blasted rock and roll, but also mocking the idea as well. Like the test with it, was that the rat in the cage early on? With the yes. decibel meter yeah. going past, past the various band? Like that's funny and sums up like the, you know, the fear-mongering attitude of adults who are scared by the rock and roll. Uh, I just... I, I thought it was really good. Um, it's an absolute hoot, and I'm glad I finally kicked my own backside to get it watched. It's got the sweep. 80. Sweep. Ramon sweep. Did you guys uh, know that in the 90s, Roger Corman <laughs> got a comic company, and he made a two-part rock and roll high school comic, but he couldn't get the rights to the Ramones... Uh, you know they're they're they they wouldn't sign off to to be used. So he got the Melvins instead. I love that because like wow. they're just as weird a choice, and it's it's wonderful. Did you guys know there's a sequel in 1991 with Corey Haim? I mean not Corey Haim, Corey Feldman. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not it's fucking terrible. So I, I forgot I watched that this week because I have never seen it. Yeah. No, it's bad. Don't what watch you watched? You watched it this week. I forgot that I. Yes, I've. I've always. I'm not the biggest Corey Feldman fan. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the like the Lost Boys and like Bordello of Blood and stuff. But I technically don't really like him as an actor very much. So I kind of just ignored it. And it doesn't have the Ramones, so I just didn't see the point. Um, it's terrible. It's a terrible movie. Um, I is, mean, I guess it, just, yeah, it is. Is it just called Rock and Roll High School too? No, it's called called, Rock and Roll Roll High School Forever. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Your miles may vary if you like Corey Feldman. I don't very much. So, eh. I I didn't like it. 
but but it, it does have uh, Mary Warnov come back as yeah. uh, is it Vader? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's the ninety one, so you know it's not nearly as sharp as the original. Because no. I think it's no. it, instead of Tom Landry high, it's um, is it Ronald Reagan? Yes, it's Ronald Reagan high. Yeah, yeah. It, it misses Feld, a lot does of Feldman. The... Does Feldman sing in it? Yes, he does. He does. Unfortunately, right. well, I'm I'm never going to watch up. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, has Larry Linville in it though, as I recall. The uh, director of uh, Slumber Party Massacre two, actually, and it's her worst film. So, oh, yeah. well, damn, that's a shame because Slumber Party Massacre two is awesome. But... Wait, yeah, Deborah Brock. I'm yep. off the top of my head. Nice. That's, that's her. Nice. Okay. Yeah, it's time to pick one, and it's Rock and Roll High School. Yay! I am going to give it to Kevin. I'm going to go with Yay! Yay! Nice. Uh, next week, because Craig's not here this week, we... Uh, well, I'll let Kevin tell you about it. Yeah, we went for a random uh, listener pick again because, as I say, we've been getting good feedback. I know people can't always listen in every week, but some people have started to mention us a bit more and give us feedback on general conversations and nice stuff about the podcast. And one of those is David Ellis, who I've known for a while on Instagram. He often shares our episodes, and I don't know if he can listen every week, but he's very supportive, very nice so I missed them. Here's a list of movies we've covered. Would you like to pick one that we can discuss in the near future? He has given us some kind of sneaky Tyler treat in the shape of Drugstore Cowboy from 1989. Nice. nice. And uh, I'm going to pair that with, uh, I got a message from somebody that said, you know, January came and went and you didn't make Tyler watch enough anime. <laughs> and then I saw the Criterion February list and I went, well, that answers my question. So we're going to watch the uh, 26, I think it's 2016, animated film, Your Name. Okay. Yay. You know, I'm always surprised how many people just want me to love anime so much. But Dude, people are have a vested interest in you enjoying animation from Japan. Very strange, but you know what? Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, I think I've proved that I like anime. I just don't like like the Naruto and fucking Dragon Ball Z shit. I like. I, I fucking- think <laughs> I think they're trying to push me into like making you watch a, a One Piece movie. Oh, it's not going to happen. It's Please. not going to happen. Just save me there. I, I promise. I'll I'll watch anything you throw at me. Just don't make me watch One Piece. Please. Uh, we're on the gram. Raiders underscore of underscore the underscore podcast. We're on Facebook where I sometimes remember to post stuff on Wednesdays and Friday. Uh, we have a YouTube channel where you can like, subscribe, and comment on Kevin's totally awesome videos weekly. And you can always email us at Raiders of the podcast at gmail.com. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me, guys. I will talk to you next week. See ya. See ya. Rock, 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 girl, high school, cruising around in my GTO. Rock, 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 girl, high school, Nathan teaches and a principal. Wanting to be no fool. 